Welcome, listeners. Another episode of Unverified Accounts for You. I'm your host, Chris, joined by the usual crew. Liza, what's up? Hi. And Philip. Hey, Chris. All right, so this has been a heavy week for all of us. Uh, we hadn't necessarily planned on doing this episode, but you know, we got to kind of put everything aside because of what happened at Atlanta and the and the murders that happened at the Asian spas there. Um, I just want to start off by reading the names of the victims. You know, I think it's very important that you know we don't forget them. They don't just become this mass of of you know just undifferentiated uh, victims. So there's a Sun Jung Park, Hyun Jung Grant. Sonja Kim, Yong Ah Yu, Delena Ashley Yan, Paul Andre Michels, Xiao uh, Ji Tan, and Dao Yu Fang. And there were six of them Asian women, one white woman, and one white man. And uh, fitting a pattern, like the, the victims, the Asian victims, were all kind of on the older slash elderly side. Uh, and, and they were obviously kind of in the in working class in terms of status probably if they were working at these massage parlors so yeah so what what are you guys especially you liza um uh what how did you feel when this happened um i think i found out about it a little bit after you guys because by the time i was talking about it in our signal chat uh i headed over to twitter and then i saw that you guys had already started talking about it and like Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was like, I, there's an irritation that I feel, but I, I feel like irritating doesn't quite um, describe how it feels. Like, of course, there's there's like a ton of like, just like I guess, intense sadness for these families and these women. And then there's, I guess, um, the reaction to it has also just been, you know, the irritating part of it is like just seeing everyone suddenly just try to like just grab clout anywhere yeah. that they can by making these like comparisons that don't belong, like they don't belong, like they, they shouldn't be compared to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we definitely need to get into that because originally uh, we, the uh, what has been scheduled for this week was an episode on populism because we uh, read a, a, a book or two about it and we want to explore deeper into it. Um, but I think it's also pertinent here because I think what we, I think what we're seeing is uh, oh, actually, no, uh, before that, Philip, uh, what, how did you feel? Uh, well, I, I think myself and a lot of other folks I talked to about race issues have been kind of keeping an eye on this like insane tidal wave of violence that's been going on probably over the course of the entire pandemic, right? But like only really reported on at the beginning of the pandemic and just in the last like caught a month or two. And I think there was a sentiment that some of us had, I definitely had of almost like, hey, when is this thing, like it's so bad right now, like when is this thing going to end up becoming like a like a mass murder, like a mass shooting, right? Mm-hmm. And then boom, it finally happens. Um, and the, the crazy thing is that like even after it happens this huge tragedy everyone kind of trying to get around you know wrap their heads around it and and uh you know build community around it it meet like that same day there were like two other like attacks that were you know uh, on twitter on the news and then the next day the days after that there were additional attacks on, on seniors and and women and so on and like it's just never ending and this is like one obviously one big important touch point but like it's like this is this is not over yet, right? Like it could happen again, and you know, it's going to happen again. Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of solutioning around it either. Um, you know, and and yeah, to Eliza's point, like people are trying to fucking take advantage of this to like get some agendas out, which is fucked up. So yeah, very sad. I mean, I just mainly felt kind of I, I, you know, I was talking with a lot of friends of mine, you know, in the after, you know, as soon as this happened, just trying to get their feelings, and I, a lot of them said they were numb, and I would describe myself the same way, mainly because. This, I mean, this is the single worst incident in, let's say, the last year or so of very kind of visible attacks on Asians. Mm-hmm. But it's only a matter of degree. It's not like a shocking event. So if you had paid attention in the last year, you would know like pretty much every day or every few days something like this happened. So again, it's, 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 it's like we're, sort of used to it and we as you said philip we've been waiting like 
when is it going to crescendo into something that will make national news as opposed to local news, if even that, or when will uh, Asian Americans, let alone Americans in general, start actually caring or or things like that. So it was more, it, it wasn't like the biggest shock uh, because uh, it, it had been happening like every day uh, for, for a while. Like, yeah, six people, six Asians, say Asian women died all at once, were killed all at once on that day. But you know, there were there were times when that would happen. And is, is that like so much worse than if it happened in the course of like a week or two? It's, uh-huh. it's still like the same uh, pattern. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And and there's also like a lot of confusion around this particular story that I don't know if we'll get into in this this chat. But like even things like, you know, were they were they not sex workers? And like, what what does that mean for the conversation around it? Um, you know, one interesting thing was that like there was no gun control conversation around this one at all. Even yeah, though, yeah, like, I saw this guy bought the gun the same day that he committed these murders, which is interesting that like, you know, the, the conversations about race and gender and, and sex work overtook the and usual conversation, fetishization and so on, right? Overtook the usual conversations around gun control. We haven't seen a fucking mass shooting in like a year almost, right? Because like yeah. COVID mm-hmm. put a damper on that, Phil, you know? do you realize how twisted that sounds? Like... Uh, you know, in America, like that, it's an anomaly wow. that we yeah, haven't like, had a mass shooting in a year. Yeah, like, yeah. Why, golly, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, it's been a year. We're <laughs> Can doing you imagine so it's well. been a year? Yeah, I mean, it's super oh fucked God. up, right? So, anyways, all these other side stories that we could get into, but like, let's let's. I guess we'll f- stay focused on the main ones relating to um, Asian Americans. I I do think though that is very. I, I I saw this somewhere on on the internet, but no one has really talked about the lack of talking about gun control, which. If this happened even like five years ago, I bet it would have been all about gun control. And I think it's because of several things. One is I wonder if um, the Democrats are kind of trying to find a way to let go of this issue because in, in especially in 2016, one of the big uh, d- dividing points between like the so-called Bernie Sanders white working class populists and the- they're like leftists but pro-gun. Not only that, but I, I don't think leftists are necessarily pro-gun, but the type of, uh, you know, former Obama supporter who might be a Trump supporter, one of those things that those people would care about is gun control. And, uh, you know, lack of concern for gun control was one of the things that was accused at Bernie uh, Bernie Sanders for, for being neglectful. But I wonder if Democrats are realizing, hey, if we want to keep winning, you know, the Midwest or whatever... Um, we might have to let go of this gun control thing. So it might be an issue that they kind of have given up on. This gun control thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the more interesting angle on, on gun control as it relates to what we we care about is like, should Asians get strapped, right? That's a whole different conversation, right? But there's now murmurings about, you know, seeing more Asian Americans at like ranges, seeing them, you know, yeah, tell I've each seen... other to, to get like concealed carry weapon permits and crazy mm-hmm. shit like this, right? So yeah, I've actually seen the opposite of the gun control conversation where I see a lot of that where it's like, yeah. Asians need to, you know, they start, you start packing, they need to start buying guns, they need to, they need to start carrying. Mm hmm. It's that's what I see more of, right? And that where does where does that come from? That comes from the the sentiment we have that like no one's doing anything about this right now. So shouldn't we defend ourselves, right? Well, I also think that because publicly it's very un PC to say, can we have more policing? Yep, that's right. Yeah, but the yeah. policing may not. I mean, so so one thing that did come out of this was that there was talks about how uh, a whole bunch of cities in the states have talked have now like talked about you know amping up policing in Asian communities uh, to, to probably the fears of many people, right? Um, so I, I'm curious to see where that leads to because that seems to be one outcome of all this violence is that now there is a slow ramp up of a response on the policing side. Um, you know, what, what what is this going to lead to? Is it going to lead to a lot more violence against black folks as, as one of the fears that folks had? I don't I don't know yet, but um, I'm, I am curious if it is actually going to, if it's actually going to solve this issue of violence that's been going on for a year now, right? Yeah. Anyway, I just want to say one more thing about the gun control thing. Yeah. An- another possibility is like the Democrat liberals and all that side actually do still care about gun control, but now um, it's become subservient to the whole identity thing. So their way of mobilizing everyone is all based on on like race and gender as opposed to, you know, fear for your, your children because of guns, which used to be the old way of 
because you know gun gun control was a culture issue um it was one of the primary like levers of of the culture wars but now the culture wars are much more about identity uh, well gun is about identity but it's a different form of identity so anyway um uh, we can move on um uh, another aspect of this liza you touched upon this uh but i also felt like i i really just had to get off of social media because um just the sudden outpouring which i found <laughs> disingenuous by especially that, I, by, <laughs> yeah that's uh go ahead like that's yeah and it was worse seeing them from the type of like asian americans you knew who were dragging their feet before yes. when uh when it, the, the narrative wasn't as easy it wasn't as easy to stick up for asians when they oh, were yeah, say, it's attacked super by... easy to stand up against like the white guy the deranged white guy with the gun mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to take a stand against like you know other minorities other uh, minorities but, yeah. and, and not only any white guy but a, a white guy from the south with uh, a creepy beard obvious weird like like sexual yeah, incel vibes incel like vibes, religious like, upbringing religious. you know this is the type of white guy that is that they're very willing to sacrifice easy target. Easy in target, order yeah. to shield the good white this is the bad white this is like the such a pure distillation of the of the bad white and i saw just this whereas like a week or two before whenever like an asian person was like killed or or maimed or hurt this this kind of like equivocation of almost like, well, did this person deserve it almost? Or, or did they d- collectively deserve it? Cause they belong to a community that might've been mean to some people or whatever. I think all that energy was pent up and then it came flooding out this time because everything lined up so perfectly. The identity of the victim. It's everything I mean, that pisses, has been pissing me off for a whole year. Right. You right. know, it's like, we're not allowed to talk about the crime, the daily occurrence of violence against Asian people mm-hmm. um, by other minorities that have ha- has happened all year long, but we're allowed to talk about this one. In fact, we're like forced to talk about this one. And it's like, you're basically, the message that I'm getting is that we don't deserve to be killed by whites, but we do deserve to be killed by like blacks and other minorities. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, yeah. If you put it that way, that's so like, what it comes down so to. So basically they are, so like, these types of people are basically admitting that there is a racial hierarchy and that they do subscribe to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Philip, you brought up the fact that this is not this is not like a one-off event. This will happen again, and I wonder what will happen if a sim. Well, like I mean, just just yesterday, I, I heard I, I saw some tweet by I don't know if she was an Asian reporter or something. She told said her father was just attacked from behind. Uh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and and the guy was like shouting anti Asian slur. So every day it's already happening. Um, but you know, the next time an Asian or, or a bunch of Asians are killed, and the the perpetrator is not some creepy white guy, um, wh- where are these people? Are these people like? Well, now they've they legitimized. They will probably disappear again and make up some, or or they'll acknowledge it, but they will bring up some new angle. But right. safe. Yeah, it's the narrative. I, I, so I, I mean, I agree with the two of you that like they prefer to to push this like creepy, you know, acceptable bad white guy narrative versus like other white guys who are very you know maybe progressive looking that have also attacked Asian elders and women, right? Which mm-hmm. have, uh, there are many, right? Um, but uh, to be fair, like this is a mass shooting, right? This is like he killed eight people. You know, there's also mm-hmm. that aspect of it as well to not completely underwrite. But you know, at the same time, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that, that there is this aspect where they're much more willing to talk about the, the killer's identity or the attacker's identity if it fits uh, some preconceived notion we have of who we should, you know, who, who we should consider villains, right? Yeah, I totally agree with Daniel Day Kim, and I saw him getting trashed a little bit. So, oh yeah, that was such bullshit. Say? Okay, he, so Daniel Day this? Kim, when this happened, uh, one of one of the things he tweeted was. The identity of the the race of the attacker shouldn't matter. What matters is the safety of the safety of the victims. Uh, okay. Of, of their victims, unfortunately, I agree with passed. him. Um, but his point was obviously in like the context of, of what he's done and, and the context of the dialogue that you shouldn't 
because there are Asians out there who will only care if the attackers are not white and be like, oh, yeah, those like um, those racist blacks. I don't see yeah. any of them. I know I, that they exist. I just don't see them. It's probably because they're not on Twitter. They're probably. Where uh, are they? I'm, I'm guessing they're kind of like older immigrants. I don't want to stereotype, but I'm just guessing. Um, or they're, they might be in, in more secretive. Yeah, WeChat and so on, right? Like that's or even like secret Facebook groups because they know their views aren't uh, widely as widely as acceptable. So obviously, his point was, "Hey, Asians, don't just." Well, how care. does everybody else see it, or is how, it just conjecture? Uh, how does everyone see what? How does everybody else see these these people putting out their thoughts? These kinds of Asians. How does everyone see it? Like, I literally have never seen anything like that before. So I'm just like, where, where are you getting it from? I don't. I I think people might. Uh, you know, secondhand, uh, or I'm they not might, saying like, I'm not saying that I don't think it exists. I'm just saying I like I just don't see it. Yeah, it's, I it see happens, the opposite. Well, because we're because what we're on Twitter and Instagram and stuff. Like we, these people aren't going to be saying those things on those platforms because they're not there, right? Or you I might think, see them in like comments on Instagram. You know, they're not like the main post, but if you scroll down enough comments, there might be someone who'd be like, you know, uh, blacks commit like you know, all these crimes on Asians. Yes, I've seen those. Okay, so those I've seen for sure on Twitter as well. I do feel like a large number of them are like these kind of false flag trolls. But, you know, uh, yes, they do exist there. I, I just don't think they're necessarily all Asian, per yeah. se. Anyway, the Daniel Day Kim tweet, I mean, he was saying what is correct is that you shouldn't just use this for your agenda. What matters is protecting Asians. It doesn't matter if the attacker is white. It doesn't matter if the attacker is black. Um, don't just you know, selectively give your concern to Asians depending on who the attacker is to suit your political That's fair, agenda. Yeah. That's a very good point. But then some people said, oh, he only said that because the attacker is white. Totally took it out of context. Total bullshit. And I think maybe because some Asian Americans do realize that they are, their sympathies are very conditional on who the attacker is. Uh, so maybe they felt a bit called out and they wanted to... to um, yeah, so I, I saw the thing you were referring to, I think, but I, I don't remember because they were comparing that one tweet or whatever where he said what you just said. And then he they compared it to another one he had said earlier, like when he started this whole campaign, um, you know, weeks before where I think he might have mentioned race or something. And they're no, just saying didn't. like... I, no, I saw that too. No, he didn't mention race okay. at all. Yeah, Cause, cause No, what he I thought just was, posted a photo of the person who committed the crime. Yeah, in both instances. Like the okay. first one was like a, a black guy, mm-hmm. and then this time it was the, right. the Robert. Aaron but then, and I don't guy. think that I don't think that the two tweets are contradictory at all. Yeah, but I think what's interesting is that the response to it was like, "Oh, I didn't know I'd be blocking Daniel Day Kim today." Right? Like the res- response was not to engage in the conversation, but to immediately be like, "Okay, you're canceled." <laughs> right? Canceled because he posted a photo of a non-white criminal. Yeah, and I, it's part of this whole like performative outrage that not all I think. Many Asian Americans are genuinely uh, are shocked, and you know they're not, you know, being opportunistic or something. But I think, especially if you're in that kind of blue check class, this is a way to finally, um, th- uh, finally, this this narrative that is very potent because we saw how, um, and this is another thing I want to talk about. Uh, did you guys see the recent stories about how the families of Michael Brown and Tamir Rice, Tamir Rice's mother yes. uh, is living yeah, in a, a fucking that. homeless shelter right now. Meanwhile, Man. Black Lives Matter uh, pulled in, I think almost like a hundred million, if not more. Yeah. 90 million, <laughs> I think it was. 90 yeah. million, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. And we saw how BLM, uh, in terms of the actual like organization, the official organization, uh, like no one knows what the fuck they're doing. They're just, they're pulling in all this money. They're t- using it as like a jobs fair for a- is everyone. Is it just going to like people's salaries and stuff? Like what, what is no it? No one knows. De- I, I don't definitely know. going towards salaries, right? Um, but like certainly it seems Democrat like Democrat not- campaign. Like Yeah, I, I think I <laughs> think there is probably some, uh, you know, link between that too. Uh, so there is, we've seen how like off course these movements can get. I don't know, I'm not saying any Asian Americans consciously doing that like nefariously behind the scenes but like for instance i think one of the reasons not not only was it because it was like a creepy religious uh incel looking white guy who who did this but i think another reason this blew up in a way that all these attacks on say the poor elderly didn't even though uh poor elderly the victims of asian victims were mostly kind of like poor older elderly asians mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that we got to talk about asian fetishization and that's like philip you and i talked about this in the in the white girl tragic episode, Asian fetishization is one of the few allowed popular 
eye-grabbing narratives that Asian Americans uh, have in this country to the point where even, as we talked about, you and I, Philip, even Asian guys try to latch onto it as a way to be relevant, <laughs> which is absolutely pathetic. Nobody wants to acknowledge that there are like degrees of fetishization. Everyone just gets moralistic so fast. Yeah, yeah. So, and I saw a lot of uh, tweets um, after in the aftermath saying that, um, you know, saying fuck you to anybody who says Asian women are privileged because of fetishization. Absolutely 100% correct because like privilege, fetishization is a very complicated topic. And, and saying that it's like 100% a privilege the same way, I don't know, money is, is absolutely ridiculous and absolutely wrong. But there is, fetishization encompasses I think way too broad a category. I think it needs to be more specific what we talk about. And there was a very interesting thread on Asian 2X, which is the the biggest Asian American female subreddit on um, on Reddit that I want to get to uh, a little bit later. But uh, I also want to mention very briefly, because I don't think this is a real issue. I think some bad faith actors are try, trying to stir this into like a gender war thing where uh, I saw some tweets in the aftermath saying like, putting the the spotlight on asian guys for you know saying things like asian women benefit from asian fetishization which as i said is wrong but it's like why are you talking about this right now uh you know asian men had no involvement in this at all uh so but um i think that's a very limited number of people i mean it made it into the new york times so i don't think it's that limited <laughs> well it's like one of the many New York Times articles that have been written. And it's by Jen Fang. Jen Fang has a whole complex about this. Remember when like Elliot Roger happened and then she found a way to blame Asian men for that, even though uh, Elliot Roger like identified men, as yeah. white, his his father was white, and he he despised Asian guys, if you ever read his manifesto. Um, and then remember when the Brooklyn restaurant murders happened a couple of years ago where that mm-hmm. guy, Arthur Martunovich, uh, killed those three Asian yeah, men? Yeah, I found out men. about that so late. After yeah, exactly. Happened. And then uh, someone like Jen Fang, her first reaction to that was, yeah, this is sad, but, you know, don't let it uh, distract you from the fact that, uh, you know, Asian male misogyny exists <laughs> and, um, you know, all, all the work that Asian American people like I do uh, is good. It was just so self-interested. So we know she has like a weird uh, obsession with this topic, so no need to pay attention to that. I, I want to make a comment on that, actually. So I sure. saw that and I was really pissed off about that. And mm-hmm. the reason for that is not not that I disagree with her that like that is a phenomenon that exists. I, it's because of what you said, Chris. Like, why are you fucking bringing it up now? But yeah. not just why are you bringing it up now. But th- I'm just thinking about like the thing I thought about when when I read that in the New York Times was like, in terms of Asian men's image in this whole like tragedy in Atlanta, the the Asian men that I see are like you know the husbands of the victims the the two sons like the 23 year old son of one of the korean women who was killed you know and and also the like all the supportive asian men who have been speaking out about this and also handing the mic over readily to asian women who want to say their piece on how this affects them mm-hmm. right and so yeah. like imagine you're one of those guys who either was affected by the tragedy directly or indirectly right or is generally supportive of which i've seen evidence of many of these people Vast and then majority, you go into yeah. the new york times and then, or you go on Twitter and you read one of these takes about how, like, you're a fuck up still mm-hmm. when you had nothing to do with this and you're only supportive. Like, what, like, that is exactly like trying to stir up the gender war, right? Yeah. And it's such a, it's like, now's not the time to settle the score because, like, some Asian guy called you out when you said uh, you don't date Asian guys because they look like your brother. Like, now's not the time. Okay. We got much bigger priorities to take <laughs> care of. Now's not the day. All right. Um, but as I said, uh, I think this is just a, a small minority of people because I was in Clubhouse uh, soon after, like right after the, the killings happened because I just wanted to hear um, just what everyday Asian Americans, the ones who are not on like social media trying to get clout and stuff were saying. Well, okay, hold on. First of all, everyday Asian Americans on Clubhouse, you have to own an iPhone and you should be of a certain, <laughs> a certain you know, interest group or class to be on Clubhouse. So let, let's just take that with a grain of salt, okay? Well, but, well sure, but now they got they got cheap iPhones nowadays. You know, you can get like the <laughs> iPhone SE or... Uh, I, I, know. I know what you're saying, Chris. You're saying you want to hear what people are, are vocalizing, right? About this yeah. issue. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I, I saw none of this like gender war stuff. In fact, I went to a, a room that was specifically designed as a safe space for Asian women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's none of that shit there. It's like everyone, everyone's just like, you know, angry and sad. Um, yeah. yeah. But no one's trying to stir up this internet war stuff but anyway i do think one of the dangers is because 
Asian fetishization, you know, definitely a real issue. And I, I'm so glad that um, I, I've been on Asian 2X, the subreddit, quite a bit in the last few days because I wanted to see what Asian women on Reddit were saying. And I do think this has been galvanizing in terms of, uh, you know, attacking the idea of the kind of easy, willing Asian woman, which, you know, definitely needs to be attacked. And there's no better person to attack it than Asian women. Because, like, you know, it, when Asian guys talk about it, it's it's a very tricky area for us because, you know, it's like the law of landmines to step on. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's been that's been very good to see. But I do think one of the, the dangers is, like, what encouraged me about a lot of the dialogue before this incident was that it was really exposing the the class divide in Asian America because the type of people who are getting attacked were, you know, poor, uh, you often like immigrant Asians, and the people who are attacking them weren't necessarily the easiest targets, let's say, to to demonize in the media, which created a very tense uh, standoff between the victim class and the like Asian overclass of, you know, spokespeople, you know, the people who are like blue checks on Twitter and stuff, because the the blue check crowd, they really weren't comfortable talking about this until now. There's been a uh, convergence of interest in this regard. So I think one of the dangers is now that the overclass feels very comfortable talking about this, they're going to take over. It's going to suit their agenda. And, um, I'm encouraged to see that, uh, you know, organizations like Red Canary Song here based in New York have been getting uh, a lot of like attention. It's, it's, you know, it's not like the Asian American, like journalist association or whatever, uh, being the the vanguard of this. I I hope not. I hope the focus stays on like the true victim class here. Mm -hmm. But I think the door has been open now for, for people to turn this into basically their book tour. Like, hey, you know, I, I work at like Vox or whatever, and I have, I just wrote this new uh, compendium on, on Asian America and then a uh, reading list with all their friends. I've already seen kind of stuff like that go around. We've seen the, <laughs> a the mass BLM shooting happens that. that's put out a reading list, start yeah, exactly. a book club. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I want to give credit to uh, the Asian American novelist Lisa Ko, who tweeted out something about how white supremacy won't be defeated by reading lists. And her being a writer herself, I thought that was nice of her to say because uh i think too many of, of those people try to use this you know consciously or subconsciously as a way to like boost their their own profile or sales maybe i'll finally read the book i, I ever i ever booked the levers in this bookshelf behind me i've not read it yet oh, <laughs> maybe now i'll read it is it good it's yeah i like okay it. okay I, I i've heard like i've heard too. good things about it yeah okay good good that she has a good take on this um <laughs> but but chris to, to kind of repeat it back to you you're basically saying like Going back to that Tamir Rice BLM thing is like that situation there has turned into this, you know, corporatization of wokeness and of activism. You're saying that there is a window opening for this to happen in the Asian American space as well. And we're already oh, starting sure. to see the first few steps of it, right? Yeah, um, yeah I saw that uh, Jeff, our, our friend Jeff Yang um, <laughs> had posted a revamp of like that that sandra o t-shirt the oh god it's, it's just a privilege to be god. asian and it's it's now i think red instead of black and on the back it says hashtag stop asian hate i think the money's going towards charity so that's okay i guess but you know you can see they're trying to already put like they're trying to codify it they're trying to make it into like a thing and make it into like a slogan right basically mm-hmm. that they can start to sell and and galvanize behind and so on like so black lives matter did yeah, I mean, effectively the same thing, right? So that that's that's starting turning to in, basically turn it into like a, I don't know, like a DNC campaign finance funnel. Yeah. Also, the slogan is I have always hated that slogan. It's an honor to be Asian. It sounds way too like over. It does sound pathetic. Um, oh, I yeah. thought you meant it stop. actually I you... sounds. It actually sounds like it's not an honor to be. Yeah, Asian. yeah. It's like if it's it's the uh, it's what's it um. <laughs> Taiwan quote. It's the it's a Taiwan quote. No man who says he's king is king. Like if you have to say you're proud like that, um, so like ostentatiously, probably not proud. Which you know, it's like, yeah. But um, no, no, Phil, I was not yeah, talking about stop Asian. Yeah, the overcompensation. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your your stop Asian hate. I mean, that's that's fine. Uh, got no issue with that. I was talking about the one in the There's front. The, uh, well, I thought I thought you were talking about that one because some people have said like I don't like that stop Asian hate slogan because it sounds like you're saying stop asian hate like 
Asians are hating, and we should stop it. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> but, but it's like <laughs> I think that's just misconstruing it. So, yeah, uh, stop, stop Asians uh, who are the victims of hate. Uh, that's yeah. not as catchy, I guess. So. The, the point is that the underlying issue is that like we're trying to slogan of sloganify <laughs> and like you know codify a pretty complex topic. Mm-hmm. And that allows them to do things like start to bundle it into a movement that they can sell, like literally sell T-shirts, right? Yeah. Um, and that that I think is the is the fear of creeping into, you know, the Tamir Rice BLM situation, right? Mm-hmm. So so Liza, I think you you brought this up because I want I would I do want to talk about fetishization because this has become one of the big topics. I, I read a bunch of good articles by mm, Christina Ligon Dixon. She's a Filipino American oh, writer. Yeah. Uh, she's written several uh, in the in the last few days. I, th- I think she's done a very good job of outlining the issue. So, because this has been, you know, one of the few popular topics Asian Americans are allowed to talk about, and it's suddenly come into the spotlight, uh, national spotlight on this. I do think it's worth talking about uh, right now. And Liza, as you said, it's a very complicated topic because, yes, being shot by a creepy murderer based on your uh the you know perceived sexuality of your race and gender is obviously terrible but it's also a gradient and it's um i mean i'll point you uh, i'll put this in the the show notes this link to uh asian 2x thread which is which is titled white women also perpetuate the fetishization of asian women and resent us for it too which um, is, I think, an airing of a grievance that we all know goes on, but it's it's rather rare that it's explicitly stated like this. No, everyone always talks about, um, you know, the white man, the white man's fear of being replaced, but no one ever talks about the white woman's fear of being replaced. Exactly. And this, this post is by an Asian woman, and she's talking about how the resentment she feels whenever white women classify any attraction a, a non-Asian man shows her as yellow fever or fetishization, which is very, I think, legit. Uh, I mean, Liza, you, you tell us a lot about this and all these like kind of microaggressions and, and you know, social rivalries that, uh, that go on. Like, we can all deduce it happens because, um, I mean, among guys, there's constantly, it's just like the, the female equivalent of, you know, small dick jokes or whatever. You know, you're trying to belittle your rival group, you know, based on race. And what I think this shows is that there is this thing that we call fetishization erroneous. I think fetishization, as I said, is a, is a bad word because it's too broad. But there is this thing that we call uh, this element within fetishization, which we still call fetishization, that is something we actually want, which is at the very least, we don't want to be seen as unattractive because of our race. And we do want kind of some form of bonus because of our race we don't want it to go overboard to the point where people are saying demeaning things or treating us weirdly but we'd rather we really want people to be like oh you got you know this these set of racial features are attractive and and keep it at that acceptable level and i think this is what oh when asian guys say asian women are, are privileged for being fetishized i think this is what most of them mean uh, but you know the language is so clumsy, and then the Asian women rightfully feel pissed off because they're privileged that people find them attractive. It's not fetishization, though. Yeah, yeah. The, like everybody wants to feel attractive. Like nobody would say, uh, like a hot white model has it bad because uh, she gets like tons of creepy DMs. You know, nobody would say that. Uh, but you know, attractiveness also has downsides. Yeah, so. maybe maybe preference is a better word for it, right? Um, you know, I have a preference mm-hmm. for so and so. You know, appear appearances in men or women, but the trouble is, I think like it gets a little bit murky once you talk about the personality slash like non physical sides of the fetishization slash preferences, right? Because mm-hmm. there's also this extra angle of like people think Asian women are docile, submissive, have traditional conservative you know values as a female partner. Right. I never understood that. Have they ever met any Asian women? <laughs> Who's docile? But the, but that's not the point. The point is that that's a stereotype, right? That that's yeah, part yeah. of it. Um, mm-hmm. I also think that has evolved. I think if you're the type of non-Asian, you know, mainly white guy who believes that, you're probably like older. You've probably seen too many, uh, you know, like John Wayne movies or something. I think the <laughs> modern permutation of that is not that Asian women are docile. It's that they're 
easier and more receptive to you. And that in a form right. is a type of submissiveness. Cause if you, I think a lot of these guys oh, also internalize okay. attraction as basically the woman submitting to the man's advances. She's like letting him uh, fuck her or date her or whatever. It's not quite just the uh, glorified maid. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's a little too outdated. I, yeah, Liza, you're right. You're like, what century are you living in if you honestly think uh, your like, Asian girlfriend's going to be your like, geisha maid? Uh, you have to be <laughs> seriously deluded to do that. But I do think you can believe that uh, if all these like white girls or, or black girls or Latino girls are rejecting me, I think the Asian girl uh, will give me a shot yeah. because of I, I mean, the other, the other angle to that bit is like this thing that we've seen said before like on from like alt-right figures and alt-right forums where guys are like oh like you know white women have been uh corrupted by feminism and one appealing thing about asian women is that they have not yet been corrupted by feminism to the same degree right Mm -hmm. and there's that aspect of it as well but i think that that does boil down to what you're saying which is like the perception is that they are more open right to to uh dating or whatever so yeah uh, so uh, overall, though, I, I'm, you know, as I said, I, w- I was an Asian 2X. There's this other great thread where it's it's about like, like Asian women, you know, h- how do we, uh, I think we should go harder against Asian fetish. I'll also link that in the show notes. So I'm really encouraged to see this type of uh, discussion just popping up online. This yep. is somewhat related, but uh, you guys hear what's happening with the San Francisco uh, school board with the Lowell, Lowell High with the, with the tweets. I saw a little bit of something. I yeah. saw a little. Was she a teacher or administrator? Like, what was her job? No, I think she was a board member um, okay. of some sort. So, just to give a background, Lowell High School is one of is a public high school, but it has a very, uh, very like strong reputation for sending its kids to elite colleges because it's it's like the San Francisco equivalent of the New York specialized schools, like Stuyvesant. Okay, so what's the sure. uh, Asian like? What's the I think like how many sixty to seventy percent. Okay, okay, so it is like Stuyvesant. Yeah, it is like Um And she, uh, well, I'll, I'll read her tweet. So this was uh, back in like 2016. She tweeted uh, this series. I'll, I'll read it. Hey, Twitter, does anyone know about any news stories highlighting hate speech or bullying of Asian students? Please send them my way. I'm looking to combat anti-Black racism in the Asian community at my daughter's mostly Asian American high school. Many Asian S's and T's uh, I'm not sure what that is. Students stands. and teachers. Oh, students and teachers. I know won't engage in critical race convos unless they see how they are impacted by white supremacy. I grew up in mostly Asian American schools and know this experience all too well. Many Asian Americans believe they benefit from model minority bullshit. In fact, many Asian American teachers and students and parents actively promote these myths. They use white supremacist thinking to assimilate and get ahead. Talk to many Lowell parents and you will he- hear praise of tiger moms and disparagement of black brown culture i even see it in my facebook timeline with former high school peers their timelines are full of white and asian people no recognition of black lives matter exists two years ago my mixed race black daughter heard boys teasing a latino about trump mexicans and the kkk the boys were asian american she spoke up when none of the other staff did the after school counselor was asian my best friend from high from school says she feels alone in the Chinese community. She feels ostracized when she speaks up against anti-black hate. Where are the vocal Asians speaking up against Trump? Don't Asian Americans know they are on his list as well? And this one's not listed here, but the the last tweet, and I think the one that got her in most trouble, was like like Asians should know that a house N word is still a house N word. Um, mm-hmm. So that's her tweet. <laughs> so well, I mean, what what do you guys think about that? At first, I didn't realize you were reading a list of tweets, and uh-huh. I thought that this was all just like one <laughs> oh, very, <that's> super tweet. <laughs> very psychotic like <laughs> passage that you were like a diary entry. Oh. <laughs> I mean, she does sound like a bunch of she, she does sound like a lot of like really liberal minorities that just fucking hates Asians because they see us as like, uh, I don't know, some sort of like white supremacist, but we're not white. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like there's something about our culture and like our people that just are like very susceptible to that mm-hmm. and it needs to be like fixed or deprogrammed. Like our, all, like all of us need to be deprogrammed that way. Yeah. A, a lot of people jumped on her for the uh, house N word tweet, but um, oh, I, that one doesn't bother me. Yeah. It's also because it wasn't like a direct 
Right. She, she was like, it's, it, it didn't sound like an accusation, really. Yeah, it was more of an analogy. And it was, yeah, I mean, it's it more on the other stuff. Yeah. So I think the worst one was the one where she said, Asians get ahead through white supremacist thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the one, that's the one like, that I'm what focused on. What the hell do too. you mean by that? Um, yeah. That is a l- extremely uh, serious accusation. It is, yeah. And, and actually, like, I, I actually sympathize with a lot of what she's trying to say, except for that part. Right, the yeah, part where because, she insinuates that we're related, like we have power from white supremacy, is the part that I think is actually a huge issue that needs to be untangled. But like all the other things she's saying about, oh, like you know, like why why aren't they speaking up more about BLM and stuff? Like, okay, fine, like fine, maybe this is a separate conversation there, right? But yeah, to, she, she didn't to, sound too incendiary when she said that. She wasn't like you, you know, you chinks, you sell out chinks. Why aren't you supporting BLM? No, she's like, I I don't see Asians supporting BLM. Okay, well that's that could be very well true of your timeline. Uh, you're not yeah. exactly wrong. Sure, but yeah. let's let's talk it out. But so, what do you mean? Uh, we're, we use like white supremacist thinking. I, obviously, she probably doesn't literally mean we send funds to like the Proud Boys or the KKK. <laughs> no. So she is just she's like setting it up so that any Asian who even like does well or something uh, is complicit yeah. in white supremacy. What the hell? Or kind that of being trap pro is Asian that? is basically like being a white nationalist. Yeah, and and that sets up uh, just a completely unjust framework of of saying and i think she's been removed from the board and um that has kind of caused some controversy but i would say the litmus test to this would be um if you defend her did you defend alexi mccammond at teen vogue because (laughs) allison collins the the woman were who made these tweets just made them in 2016 which meant she was, you know, still in her in middle age. I don't know how old she is, but I think she looks somewhere between like some 40s or 50s. That's forgivable for saying Asians are who simply like do well are complicit in white supremacy versus a 17 year old girl in college saying, uh, I woke up with puffy Asian eyes. That should get her fired. But at some at some you know magazine that you know tries to be relevant but you know it's still it's still teen vogue in the end versus a, a member of one of the most like contentiously fought over schools in america right now on a very critical issue of uh, on on the intersection of like race and and college admissions and and all that and just evaluations in general that's okay I mean, that's that's you know that's such bullshit. Yeah. I mean it's it's a bit of a different context because she's trying to I mean she said a lot of like dumb shit but like she's trying to make a point in her in her tweet thread like she's trying to state some issues right to deal with mm-hmm. whereas Alexi McCammon was just making like shitty racist jokes like light racist light jokes so it's a bit different but I do but agree But shouldn't the you. person trying to make a point be held to a higher standard, not a lower standard? <laughs> I I would think so, yeah. And, and like Alexa McCammon, again, she's making these dumb jokes. She's a teen and so on, right? When she made yeah. them. It, it does put it into a different light as well. Yeah, I think um, it, it puts a way, uh, like, lowers the expectations way more. So Alexa McCammon actually resigned. But I yeah, think, yeah. I mean, there is a, even a poll about it on Twitter, but people basically believe that she was, it, had this shooting not happened that we were talking about here, she probably wouldn't have stepped down. Yeah. Right? She probably would have been given the pass uh, as we might have predicted. Yeah, that's uh, that, w- that was my thinking as well. Yeah. Did you think that, Liza? I think it would have gone unreported and none of us would have heard about it because I've, I, I like so I've heard plenty about um, the Stuyvesant, like the New York elite public schools. Mm-hmm. I've heard nothing about the West Coast ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it could just be like algorithm and the way filters work. Uh, yeah, and the, we're and also like, removed because from I, I it, mostly yeah, yeah I, I'm very removed from it because like my kids are not that age and like you know we're also very far away from that and uh, probably also because uh the people that report on this, um, you know, like New York Times will report on what's going on in New York. But there's been some other shit happening there, too. I, I think there was like some hot mic incident by what? Uh, with the Lowell High School, like parent board, what school board, like fights. I think one person, I don't know what uh, her association was, but she was somehow involved, was caught on mic saying, like, I, I want to punch every Asian in the face. It had something to do with, um, well, because... The fact is, um, the kids, uh, who uh, you know from last year, don't have much of a transcript because of COVID. So now the issue is, well, on what basis do we admit them? I think that's that's the issue. Wait, wait, I, I don't wait. 
They don't have much of a transcript. What do you mean? Well, I think because like classes were canceled, and and you know, like even if they have a transcript, it's not the same. Uh, so I think now now the test is all important. So uh, so, um, the 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 weight of the test is now maybe like a hundred percent or something. So some people think that's unfair. <laughs> Uh, and you know, it, it go even if this didn't happen, there probably would have been a fight anyway because uh, it's so predominantly Asian American, and uh, it's 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 the the test looms large, and people have a lot of certain people have always had a, a problem with that. Yeah, it feels like um, I, I would they be fine if no Asians got in at all under the same circumstances. Well then, they, well then, I, at least then they can like control the spigot of Asians. Like I feel know? like that would make everyone happy. Like the people that complain about like too many Asians go to the school, they're overrepresented. Yeah, I, I feel like the only solution that is acceptable to them is that like I don't know, maybe like ten Asians got in and like uh, every other group got in. Mm-hmm. But the vast majority of Asians got turned away. Their claim their claim is that they want the admissions to be proportionate to the population, right? That's always the claim is like Well then you know, but they also claim they also claim that they want it to be meritocratic, uh, right? Well, that can't be true. Which can't be true, right? <laughs> right? This, like, this is the the crux of the whole issue. Right, you can't you can't have it both ways. I'm actually more interested in what Asians want out of this because there's, you know, there's a lo- loud group of Asians to say like, "Hey, we should keep the rules as they are. We're working hard to get in. We got in fair and square." <laughs> And then a separate group that says, oh, we shouldn't, you know, be a tool for white supremacy and be a wedge as we so always what are. They, so how do you not be like, how do you, so how, what's their solution for the second group? Is it just like you get accepted and you turn it down? I like, think the solution <laughs> for the second group is that they would like to see the numbers trend towards more proportionate, whatever makes them feel good about not being shitty towards black people. But I also think the second group, the people who are speaking out of the second group wants to be the few Asians that get in. You know what I'm or saying? Or there are already oh, Asians who I got see. in. Or they've already gotten in, and they're already at Harvard, so they they can freely talk about this shit, and not it doesn't affect them. You lose two hundred percent credibility if you are an <laughs> alum or you've you're currently in it. Yeah. And now you're talking high and mighty. It's like no, the only way you could really have credibility on this is as Eliza said, you got in, but then you turned it down. Like damn, I respect that. Oh I yeah, then you that. then you definitely yeah. have yeah, then you definitely have a right, right? Or you're trying to get in, right? Yeah. So, but then it's if you do make it proportional to the you know it's surrounding. Uh, communities and stuff it, it is no longer by definition meritocratic not that that's even necessarily a bad thing but that's simply a fact and then that raises the question well what is this school for because the reason it's doing so well you know sending it to probably like stanford and the ivies and and caltech and all these schools is based on that merit yeah but if you want to no longer merit make it meritocratic but you still want the same pipeline to the colleges which is the only reason the school's worth a damn they're not there because oh yeah i, I learned so much about physics there no it's that it's a pipeline to these elite colleges. I am so right. confused. So basically, an unfair policy is okay as long as it never benefits Asian people. Well, I think some of the underlying unspoken <laughs> thing is that. that, it's, that that's what makes it unfair. But it's perfectly fair if Asian kids are like, totally excluded then it's fair well see that's the thing it's like is that what you're saying is that what i mean not what you're saying is that what they are saying i i think that's the uncomfortable conclusion okay like take this for example they say like the sat is so unfair and i think everyone can agree yeah the sat is not perfect but uh, but then they say we'll take out the sat uh, have no standardized testing at all have everything based on um like personal essays re- recommendations grades even but then it's like, wait a minute. If you thought the SAT was like manipulable and easily bought, <laughs> yeah, I know you think that an essay and you are like... now making the situation worse. But I think the the people who are uh, proposing this know it's even more unfair. But it's going to be unfair in the benefit of their supporters and the people yeah. they're looking out for. But but you so have to keep in mind like this goalpost moving of like making it less about standardized testing and more about extracurriculars and stuff has already been done in the last decade to reduce the number of Asians getting in. Asians yeah. It was still originally st- done to reduce the amount of Jewish kids getting that's in. Right. And now that's right. That's right. Now it's for Asians, right? Yeah. And so but Asians still excelled at that and yet they are trying to move the goalposts again. Right. That's yeah, yeah. why they're rightfully pissed off about this whole situation. Right. Because every time Asian people, Asian kids figure out like, oh, this is what it takes to get in. Yeah, I'm gonna do and it. And they right. succeed. It's like, oh wait, fuck, we did that specifically to keep you people out. Yeah. yeah. What and can we do? Uh, next? You're not supposed to succeed. Yeah, because when I was uh 
applying to college, the stereotype against Asians is that we only got good grades. We didn't have good extracurriculars. Now the stereotype right. is, uh, yeah, you got the grades. You even have the extracurriculars. You're like president of everything. You founded a, a fucking <laughs> charity when you were like 15, but your personality suck. You're, you're, you're not right. engaging. Latest, yeah. You're not charismatic. Yeah. What is, what's the, so how do you define your personality sucks? I know oh, some, some, some white guy at Harvard decides, right? Like, who, yeah, no. But you don't like, so, so basically what, like they don't, they don't seem like, like, they don't seem like the kind of person that's going to like run, like, go for a frat and like drink every weekend like i don't understand or like play lacrosse no it's it's straight up because you have slanty eyes like that's what it is right like they just they just are unwilling to say it but that's what it is and that's why this in, lawsuit came cropped up in the uh, in the lawsuits there are multiple testimonies where teachers themselves remember the people who actually know the students best and the yep. people who are actually supposed to rely on for these character tests um speak so highly of these asian students but the people who give them the bad scores are the admissions officers at yep. these universities who don't know anything about these students are contradicting the teacher's own recommendations. So that's how bullshit it is. That's how. Um, and as I say all the time, whenever I talk about college admissions, it's really not about college admissions in the end. My overall sense is the 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 more agents stop idealizing elite colleges, the better for us because I think it's I think it it, it instills this harmful elite assimilationist mindset. No. Nowhere do you get better conditioned into the elite assimilationist mindset than at these Ivy League schools and their equivalents. So I think it's good for Asians to actually not worship these places so much. What I am against is this constant bullshit goalpost moving. If we're not going to go to these places, I don't want it to be that because uh, uh, we had to do it because they, they kept changing the rules. I want it to be out of our own accord that we collectively realized, not because they kept uh they decided too many Asians were a bad thing and, and they kept changing the rules. That's the bullshit. And if they do change the rules, we gotta stick up for ourselves and be like, hey, if you're gonna pull this shit, at least give us something in return. Give us a concession if you're gonna be this openly uh bullshit. And again, I, it even goes back to like like the whole Atlanta uh murder thing. It, it's it's about the bigger picture. It's not just about, you know, people being killed. It's about when the reason why I, you know, had to get off social media and, and didn't like, you know, I, by all logic, I should be happy that so many people are paying attention to this. But the reason I was hesitant was I don't think these people are going to be here when it's not convenient to support us. And that's when we yeah, need allies and supporters too. and yeah. people from our own community standing up for us is when it's hard. And mm -hmm. we've seen very little evidence that that happens. And we got this kind of like stars aligned moment where it became like, for the first time since when was the last time people were this uh i think it was maybe like jeremy lynn i think when jeremy lynn was uh, uh during lynn no, sandy it was parasite uh sure but I, in terms of like okay or do you mean something negative oh yeah where people kind of recognized a racism against anti uh against asian americans i honestly think the last time it came to this kind of national level was like during lynn sanity uh so it's very rare that was like a decade ago that was almost a decade ago eight years ago yeah um so it's rare so i think it's important to harness it when we can but it's also yeah but you know there are going to be more attacks and the the narrative's not going to be as neat when that happens are you still going to be around i kind of mm -hmm. doubt it so i want to hold people responsible oh yeah yeah you spoke out when this happened are you going to stay consistent no we know that they're not going to stick around the, they'll, like they'll stick around they'll stick around they'll keep pushing it so long as it starts to feed into the you know money-making media machine right mm -hmm. the uh the the stop asian hate t-shirts and so on right that are all backed by like part of the whole insidiousness of this like uprising of of concern is that a lot of it is backed by celebrities right um so it's nice to see once in a while when like a working a working class interest group like red canary song gets attention that's good right because actually mm -hmm. affects it, it supports the people who are being affected by this right but when you <clears throat> see like you know these like uh, celebrities and like these like activists um you know uh uh university types like jen fang and so on right academics that's the word um that becomes concerning i think because it's co-opting it back into the elite overclass and not necessarily supporting the people who are actually affected yeah and and you know, I, I wouldn't have minded if that overclass had been there from from day one uh right but a lot of them weren't i mean some were i'm not gonna some were. I, mean, so I guess I'm ddk gonna... was right i mean that's you know yeah. daniel day kim yeah and yeah. Then, like other other I'm, I'm also talking about like smaller like activist organizations mm -hmm. uh things like that but i i know a lot of them were very hesitant to say anything when it was more difficult to speak out because as i said the the perpetrators weren't so easily condemnable um in their circles, at least. 
I was just going to say that, like, at some point, like, all this talk about, like, defining white supremacy, pointing it out, um, uh, like, trying to dismantle it and, like, um, admonishing it. At what point is it, like, is it ever going to help? We all know what it looks like now, but how does that help? Yeah, it doesn't. It's a distraction, right? It's like when I think about like the the whole racial tension in this situation, not just the shooting, but like across the board with like anti-blackness, anti-Asian, Asian, you know, uh, conversations around this whole thing. I, I start to wonder, like, there, there's a very real possibility that like policing will go up finally as a response to this, right? And maybe the violence will go down because there is, um, you know, there is uh, some some amount of oversight and protection. And this could all happen without a single black person being killed. That's that's possible. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But the fear of that even happening and what that would, you know, implicate these, um, you know, at least Asians in, right, as being complicit with white supremacy is so terrifying to them that all they can do is talk about like these vague, like woo-woo things that are not tangible at all at protecting Asians and not actually like commit to things that would protect Asians. Right. Yeah. The, the policing thing, I, I don't know too much about this, so I, I don't want to talk too much at length, but often the lack of policing is brought up by the same activist types as evidence of racism against the community. For example, in the LA riots, the fact that the police did not protect K-Town yep. is shown as evidence of white supremacy. The fact that, the police did not arrest this KKK member for killing these like black people or other minority groups is evidence of racism. So I think they themselves aren't quite sure what to do with the police because it's such a difficult issue. On one hand... Well, it would lead to social suicide if they said that they would like more policing and they think that's the answer. Right, right, right. Um, and... You know, there, there's a big upcry about whether this is like a hate crime or not, which, um, you know, a teen from, from Plan A, uh, we, we were talking about it in the in the Discord, but it's like a hate crime is a very legal thing. It does not determine whether or not something was racist. It just determines, does it meet the, the like the local um, standards, uh, enough evidentiary standards to warrant a specific type of uh, like additional charge, which is a hate crime, it does not mean racism was not involved. So it, something can be very racist, but not a hate crime in the eyes of of the law in that exact instance. You know, if that person like kept everything pretty quiet and stuff, uh, it's very possible. So, uh, but a lot of people do say, "Oh, this needs to be a hate crime. Uh, the police needs to label as a hate crime." Uh, but then, um, when when someone like Andrew Yang calls for more funding of the hate crimes unit, they get pissed off about that. Be like, well, how, how do you think they're going to determine what a hate crime is? They don't have the resources. <laughs> You're being self contradictory. You either have yeah. So a lot of people who say that they're like a cab on social media, they really do contradict themselves because like they'll a, they're a cab, and then it's like, uh, but we have to like you know, the killers of Breonna Taylor still haven't been arrested. Yeah. It's like, well, which one is it? Are you a cab or not? I think when you sort of sift through all their sayings i don't think they actually consciously know this but this is what it amounts to it's like abolish all police except to arrest and may imprison hell maybe even execute all my enemies that's what it comes down to <laughs> which is rather dark but I, I think i don't think they actively know it but the way they make exceptions in their minds probably because like the oh, question, they make a ton of exceptions it's like well you don't want any more like say prisons like what what about like rapists rapists who and, stuff, and they'll be like well for the rapists then they're that's okay be like yeah, well, all right. Well, you know, like, you know, like the, the the race of people who are like disproportionately convicted as rapists probably skews like black men. Like, what about that? And being like, and then then it gets really messy, right? Yeah, I mean, even even the hate crime things. Like, how do you? Why does it matter if something is? If you think there should be no policing, then why does it matter if something is labeled a hate crime or not? It's right. Just, yeah. It's just for your own feelings. It has nothing to do with <laughs> what actually is actionable. Like, what is actionable around protecting Asians and making sure that this case is, um, you know, dealt with correctly in in the the court of law, right? It just has to do with your own feelings around like, did society, you know, view this thing that I think is very serious, which it is as as serious as I think it is, right? That, yeah. That's really what it comes down to, you know? To them, hate crime just means like the rubber stamp of racism, which yeah. it's not. It's a specific 
legal tool in in like the the prosecutor's uh, arsenal. Yeah. And but people right. just I think that to them they think that the more people get arrested for and put away for hate crimes, it's like the more we fight racism or the more we diminish racism and I, that's that's not how that works. Yeah, because uh, here's another contradiction. Uh, these are the same people who will probably rifle I think they're correct in saying this that the law is rarely a deterrent. It doesn't really work that way. People know murder and rape are wrong, but they do it anyway. Unless you're talking about a very specific crime, let's say like a financial crime, like, oh yeah, you know what? Uh, this type of insider trading was legal last year, but is now illegal. Unless you're talking about something like that, they're kind of broad-based moral crimes. It doesn't really work as a deterrent. They'll use that same uh, argument correctly for something like capital punishment. So why would you think like hate crime would be a deterrent? In, in fact... Yeah, the, so... But but are you saying that the deterrent is actual enforcement? Like it doesn't matter what it gets designated as. I think Tim was saying this too. Like I don't care if it's designated as a hate crime as long as the thing gets, uh, you know, the person goes to trial, right? And justice is done. That's more yeah, important. Yeah, and, and then all the stories rightfully, uh, pl- uh, you know, write about the, the racial aspect. I think that's what people mean when they say, right, I want right, this right. to be labeled a hate crime. But they're, they're not talking about the same thing. They're talking about a, a, a popular definition of hate crime, which just basically means a crime that race had something to do with. But that's yeah. not really what a hate crime is. And that's why it can be very difficult to actually bring about a hate crime charge. I think in the Brooklyn restaurant murder, the guy just explicitly said, I killed those Chinese men because I saw these movies where Chinese men were mean to Chinese women. So that was like, okay, well, that's pretty easy. And I think he did get charged with a hate crime because of that. Mm-hmm. But in you know, in the Atlanta spa case, the guy didn't say that. It's not as it's obvious race has something to do with it because he he it wasn't just like he just shot up one place that was nearest to him. He went to three separate locations that were all Asian. He had to drive out of his way to get to all of them. Mm-hmm. And um, we know about uh, the entanglement of like race and uh, fetishization with Asian women. So obviously, has race something to do with it? Does th- now does that amount to a hate crime in the eyes of like Atlanta state law or whatever law they use? That's up. That might not be so, but that doesn't mean racism wasn't involved. And people, I don't think, quite grasp that. Yeah, I mean, the other side of it too. I don't. I don't want to drag this on too much more. But like, there was the Korean reporting on this story. Right. Oh yeah, that. Um, yeah, I haven't heard that too much about it. I do think eyewitness accounts are a little unreliable, so I I'm not sure if that's why it's been kind of dropped because no one can really really like double check. Well, it. I, but, I yeah. bring it I bring it up because it actually came from a pretty reputable Korean paper, and they they said in their reporting that there's eyewitnesses that had heard the guy say, "I'm going to kill all Asians" when he was in there, right? And many people online were using that quote as a way to say this really should be a hate crime. And it's not, yeah. and I'm angry, and so on. So, yeah, for some reason, I've not seen that quote in any more of the articles that have popped up. Not um, in the Western ones, right? But they are in uh, at least one Korean one. Yeah. So, anyway, it, it's not done yet. Like, there's still more to be investigated, and so on. And like, I don't, mm. I don't think the outrage and stuff is over yet because I still, I still, I'm still seeing people talk about it, right? And yeah. the trauma around it, of course. So it's not done yet. I'm sure we'll get back to it at some point. All right, we're uh, we're a little over an hour, so um, any any things you guys got to get off your chest? I have never felt so good about um, just not like I barely even check social media anymore. Mm-hmm. That's good. A lot of times, it's because something big will happen that you know I'll, I'll hear in other ways. I'll hear people talk about it in conversations or like conversations with you guys, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then I'll go and you know I'll scroll through Twitter or I'll do a search. And um, I don't know. I, I feel like um, I feel like the less that you're on social media, the more you can like. This is not revelatory. I'm sure <laughs> everyone has already figured mm-hmm. this out. But for me, I'm just like you know. The, wow, the less I I'm, I look on social media, the more I can like stick to the actual topic. Yeah, the mm-hmm. important stuff. You just get bogged down in all like the personal grievances and the irritations and the annoyances, and like the the really just like everyone's trying to clamor for a witty take yeah that ends like that ends up just starting a fight yeah i mean i i I mean i see some blue checks bringing up uh you know childhood grievances about like teachers mispronouncing their names which are legit i'm not saying that's not worth talking about it's like but trying to connect this to that is just it doesn't it doesn't connect no (laughs) it's just like you know i don't want to downplay your experience but you know now's not I don't think now's the time. Uh, yeah. yeah, there was this girl named Adriadne in my elementary school class. And like, I guarantee that every time there's like a mass shooting in school, um, 
she doesn't think about how people mispronounced her name growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good point. Maybe this is my last point is is like when something like this happens, it's interesting to see when people talk about these things online. Would they bring up- which yeah, which are, which of the grievances do they bring up? Which are the topics? But that's they bring what I'm up, like right? trying to avoid. I don't want to see what they bring no, up. No, yeah, but online. but it, it's very it makes it, me mad. It's very very telling in how we are processing the, processing this, right? Like how how often are they bringing up something relevant to the case and to like justice being done for the mm-hmm. right people? Versus how many times are they bringing up like other topics that are like adjacent to and they're legitimate, right? But maybe it has nothing to do with actually improving the ongoing violence towards Asian seniors, which is still happening, as we said at the beginning, right? Yeah. And the, the fo- it cannot be stressed enough that if the focus really should be on lower income elderly Asians, they are the, the majority of the victims here. They have been the majority of the victims throughout this whole thing. This is not a chance for you to air your uh, legitimate, but in comparison at the moment, insignificant, you know, grievances. This is not a, a time to like advance your your profile in especially like media or entertainment. You know, l- let's keep the focus on who is suffering the most. Because I'll be totally honest with you, I, I walk the streets, I, I really have no fear. You know, I'm 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 like young male, so it's it's I'm probably not going to get attacked. So. But for the people who do feel fear, uh, you know, they sh- they should be the ones who who need to be given the the you know just like let's hear from them. Like, have we even heard from like a massage parlor worker? I mean, I know if you go to like say uh, like a, a vigil hosted by like a Red Canary song or something, you'll hear from them. But in the media, it's it's all like you know writers, actors, activists. Um, but let's hear from the people who actually got attacked, you know, or or, the, or that class of people. Yeah, the, the, uh, the local reporting is decent. Like if you go, you follow like, um, what's her name? Like something Dion. Oh, Dion, Dion Lim. Lim. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she'll, people like her will have like these little clips where they'll actually like interview a senior after they've been attacked and like maybe there'll, there'll be someone translating for them and so on. That's mm-hmm. about as good as it gets. Other than that, it's just like blue checks talking about this shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I think that wraps it up for this episode. Uh, thanks for joining in. And yeah, if you're, if you're Asian American, you've been having a, Hard time, you know. Uh, hopefully, that this podcast helped somewhat. Uh, you know, keep keep in touch with your loved ones, and and you know, keep keep supporting each other, and you know, talk things through, and yeah, we'll hopefully get through this. All right. So this is unverified account signing off. This is Chris and Liza and Philip. Bye yep. to you all. We'll be back in a week. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye.